This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm Bev Jones, and this is Just About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Our guest today is Steve Mariotti, an entrepreneur, teacher, and author of numerous books for young people on entrepreneurship. Steve is best known for starting the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, also known as NIFTY. Steve believes in the power of entrepreneurship to eradicate poverty and transform society. And NIFTY is credited with helping more than a million, yes, that's a million, students discover the power of business ownership. The way Steve launched Nifty is described in his latest book, Goodbye Homeboy, How My Students Drove Me Crazy and Inspired a Movement. Steve will tell us about how it all began back when he was teaching in some of New York City's toughest public schools in the 80s. And he'll offer insights for listeners who might be thinking about launching businesses of their own. Steve, thanks so much for being with me today. I've been so eager to talk with you ever since I read your terrific new book, Goodbye Homeboy. So thanks a lot for joining me. You're welcome, Bev. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's interesting to have you because your book is such a wonderful combination of two things. One is really practical, useful hints and uh, tips about how to run a business. And uh, I know our listeners are often interested in those, but it is also a gripping story. You have a really fascinating account in the, the start and much of the book about how you were teaching school in a rough neighborhood in the 80s in New York City, and things got tough. And out of that challenge came your insights and your approach to using entrepreneurship as a way to, to uh, transform the lives of, of all kinds of kids. Can you take a, some time and, and, and tell us that story? How were you happened to be teaching in the South Bronx, and how did the turnaround happen? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to uh, talk about that and share that. Um, I got uh, mugged in 1981, and um, I had PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which is, uh, you know, a lot of our veterans and other people that have been through intense experiences. Yeah. And it is, I'll just speak for myself, it, it was actually the most painful uh thing I've ever been through. Uh, it's been 40 years. And I, when I think back on my life, that was the worst time period. Um, fortunately, I was introduced to Albert Ellis, uh, who's a famous uh, uh, therapist, and he had therapy for PTSD, uh, which was uh, flooding, uh, which means if you've had a trauma, uh, you 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 relive it over and over and over again, 
So if you, you're scared of an elevator, you go on the elevator a hundred times. Uh, if you're afraid of uh, been traumatized by a particular situation, you confront it and re redo it or to becomes uh, uh, a, a less of a albatross uh, in your thoughts and you change your thoughts to, to turn it to a positive. So I was able to rechange the sentences that I was using to describe the monkey to from, oh, you were humiliated and cried uh, when you were attacked in broad daylight by five kids under the age of 13, what um, you know, wimp you are, to you were a hero during an attack of five young people that were armed, no one was injured, and that was, that is a wonderful thing. So over time, my brain switched, and then it just went away. Um, the process then became, how do you keep it away? And that's when I uh, was guided to become a teacher. And I thought I'd be there a month, two months. But the minute I walked in uh, and, and had the opportunity, the honor, really, of teaching special ed children who are unique learners and uh, are very creative and, and, and but often don't do well in structured environments, hierarchies. Um, and uh, I had, a, at first, had a very difficult time. And then I started to talk about business. Uh, so how, how did you start talking about business? How, that feels like a huge leap to go from um, special ed to business discussions. It was. It was. It was a miracle. To be honest with you, I, I rem, it was 1982. I lost control of a class at uh, Boys and Girls High School in Bedford Stuyvesant, which is now a very good school, by the way. But um, uh, 30, 30 uh, years ago, it wasn't, and I could barely stand it. Uh, you know, the class uh, uh, was not not everybody, but the. Uh, uh, some of the young men would uh, bully me and put a gum on my seat and uh, uh, just it was uh, really really hard for me I dreaded going and and so I stepped out of the room and I, I prayed to be honest with you and I looked down and there's my watch on my right hand, where I always wear it, and inexpensive watch. And I walked back in and said, what would you pay for this? And the class went stone cold silent. And then for the rest of the period, we had this incredible discussion. Uh, I just let them talk uh, about what the watch would be worth. And then the next day, I started to talk about wholesale markets. And that's when I discovered that none of the of these uh, children knew that there was a whole production structure 
behind any retail product. They didn't know about manufacturers, wholesalers, jobbers, and a lot of business is based on that unique knowledge. Uh, so they're at a huge disadvantage. They think that a retail price is an, a uh, you know etched in stone that it, that there is no other price than that. And changing someone's view so they're aware of wholesale manufacturer and and all these uh, and the route that a product takes is is life changing. Uh, because then it opens up this whole world of becoming a wholesaler and then selling retail rather than always thinking of yourself as a consumer buying retail. In, in your book, I, um, I think you said that you kept journals, and I thought that must have been what you did because you have some pretty amazing conversations about about these things, how you were talking about business concepts with these kids, and they were they were so excited to learn as they were finding things out. Had you kept records all those years, or have you just had so many conversations that there's kind of a standard rhythm to it now? Wow, that's high praise. Thank you. Now I was a um, uh, a constant writer. Uh, I lo- I loved writing I write would write every I still do uh, I just find it relaxing and it if I'm worried about something back then you know I didn't feel I was a very good teacher frankly and was embarrassed by that uh, that I was going to let the kids down um, so I was writing 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 and I also lucked out uh, my you know my life's been you know so uh, uh, fortunate. I've had so many uh, just wonderful things happen to me by coincidence. But I had to take a class for teachers on how to teach kids to write. And my teacher for two days was uh, Frank McCourt, who was the gentleman that, that wrote Angel's Ashes and Tiss. And that, that was in 82 before he'd started publishing, and he was so kind to me. He said, you can write. You've got nothing to be embarrassed about. I was embarrassed about my handwriting. And he said, everybody struggles with um, children that uh, aren't interested in a curriculum. So you go with what you believe that they are interested and have the courage to do that. He was life-changing for me, um, and wonderful man. Uh, but that gave me a lot of courage, and I just started to write two hours a day, and I'd write the, I tried to write the absolute truth, the, what actually happened, the words, um, and my goal was so that new teachers uh, you know, someday I, I'd hope to publish the book, and that took 30 years, to be honest. Uh, but that new teachers would read it and not make the same errors um, that, that I had made. And that's why I'm so happy by the success of Goodbye Homeboy, which has been a bestseller um, twice on Amazon. And uh, it's just doing 
incredibly well. And I think we'll get a, a movie offer really soon. Wow. It should be a movie. Oh, thank you. So one one of the things that I think is brilliant about the book, and I, um, I've never seen anything like it. And I read a lot of these things because of my career as a coach and an author and so forth. But what you describe are the conversations about things like assets equal liabilities and owner's equity and formulas and Kaizen circles and all kinds of things. You describe those, but you describe business basics. And I think... um, you create a sort of a culture of financial literacy for your readers, but you do it in the context of these very vivid conversations in this this um, classroom you've created. So that for people who don't know much about a business, the lessons come through as long as this, as well as this brilliant story. It really is 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 very interesting. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And this is actually my 45th book um, that I have authored or co-authored. That includes manuals. Uh, But they've all been on one topic, and that is how do you own and how to use entrepreneurship to become an owner so that you can get out of poverty. Poverty I've seen it, and, you know, uh, it, it's just horrible. And so many of our of the world's problems stem from um, financial poverty, and many, many times that's linked to a failure in a, a small business. Uh, I did that research about 15 years ago in India, and uh, a professor there and I, went out and did uh, research on the on men that were homeless and would sleep in Calcutta, you know, uh, literally thousands of them. And we did, a, I think, 34 interviews. And 70% has said they'd lost their savings or their inheritance or their, uh, their wife's savings or some tragedy from a, a, a failed small business. And that was eye-opening to me, that if we could get less failures in small business and more successes and have even one, two, three percent higher rate of business formation, I really think we could make a huge dent on poverty over the next uh, decade or two, because uh, we really want to destroy poverty, uh, you know, and 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 help people uh, become financially strong and independent, and being able to feel they're part of the world's economy by owning something. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. 
The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. described a a discussion, a catchphrase, which I thought seemed to really have impact on the students and, and change their attitude and help them get rid of a lot of destructive behaviors. And it it seemed to me it, it made it much more likely that they could be successful, that they wouldn't be victims, they'd be survivors of small business. And and that phrase was, they don't pay you for that. You use yeah. that to help kids work their way out of poverty and into success. Um, can you talk about that phrase, how you used it? I, I think that's something that um, we all might want to say to ourselves some days. It, it was a huge breakthrough for me as a teacher to say that and it occurred uh, when I was at Evander Childs High School I remember it vividly and I had a gifted student in in uh, special ed because he he was had trouble focusing but he was gifted in accounting and I, I saw it right away that he understood double entry accounting and he just was good but his behavior was so disruptive that um, eventually another teacher um, got him expelled and he ended up getting all failures, except in my class where I took a huge risk and gave him an A plus, even though he had not been there the last month. But I'm sending him a signal that, that, that he had a gift and he came up with his mother that day, and the mother was crying. He walked into my room, and he he uh, said thank you to Mr. Mariotti, uh, and and it was it and I and we started to talk, and I said the point I was trying to make, um, Devon was they don't pay you for. Uh, excessive behavior for throwing spitballs, for being rude or using inappropriate language. And you have a gift and you, you can use that gift to help other people by making money and then ha- helping build your community. You can hire people, help with the hospital, help with your family. And the, the mother was there and spoke broken English, but she understood, and he understood. And that next year he came back, and uh, within 18 months, uh, he was a a 3.8 student out of special ed, which is nothing wrong with with special ed, it's just unique uh, learners. But he, he, he was able to totally change his life and I think it was that they don't pay you for that, as well as giving him an A plus 
as a way that I could communicate with he and his family that he was throwing his life away. And it was, it was a, it was a great joy, uh, that moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, the, the picture of, um, the classroom is so strong in my mind. You, you painted it so vividly, but after your experience with this class and it, felt like it was horrible to, to leave this particular school and this particular group of students, you decided to take these concepts like they don't pay you for that and put them on a larger scale. Can, can you tell us a little bit how you took the next step to create uh, Nifty and, and to, to do this on a really a global scale? Absolutely. I was um, in this classroom uh, which was for 25 students that had been expelled from school for committing some, you know, um, uh, serious uh, uh, disobedience. Um, And we were up at the Department of Housing on Arthur Avenue in the Bronx, and everything was going great. And I had each of the students writing a business plan and this was in 80, uh, 87, 88. And they were all doing it. And they all started businesses, you know, uh, maybe $200 a month in revenue. But that's a lot. And one of the kids said to me, uh, but why aren't you doing your business plan? You're making us do our business plan. What What, what are you doing? And it went right to the center of my being, that that sentence. And so I sat down and I, I wrote the business plan for what became the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, commonly called NIFTY, uh, and arguably has been the most successful uh, nonprofit in my generation uh, for youth work. Uh, that's replicated. It's all over the world now. We have a million graduates from our 60-hour program, a mini MBA. Um, every kid has to, every person has to do exactly what an entrepreneur would have to do to start a small business, open a bank account, do a plan, make their first sale, get business cards. And it, so it was that prompting from a student that said, what's your, what's your, What's your business plan uh, that that was life changing for me, and and got me to write down this dream that I'd always had of an organization that specialized in teaching children ownership, entrepreneurship, how to start a small business. Well, it's, it was a wonderful vision, and uh, your execution has been pretty spectacular. I. Um, found the whole thing very inspiring. But your book started me thinking again about something actually I think about pretty often. I I think for a lot of Americans today who are not in poverty, but are facing financial insecurity for the future because they're getting older. Maybe they're in a field where it's harder to stay employed after a certain age. Or maybe um, they're nearing the an age where they're going to be forced into retirement because of physical issues. They don't have the resources. But a, 
a counter wave to that concern is more and more people are figuring out how to have a side gig with the job they have now as a way to develop some independence or a little more uh, hedge their bets with a, a another income stream and get more security that way. And we've had guests on this show who've talked about uh, the statistics of how the biggest group uh, demographics, biggest uh, age group in the country at the moment in terms of growth of entrepreneurial activity is with seniors. So what I wonder if you could do is... Uh, before we have to leave, do you have any insights that are focused uh, not so much at young people, but people of any age who might be thinking about starting a business as a way to enhance their security? But you know what I hear from a lot of people is, oh, I don't know anything about business. It's too scary. It's frightening. I don't think I could do it. Do you have any encouraging words or, or practical tips for those people? Uh- Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because seniors have 40 years, 45 years of experience. They've lived through all kinds of historical events, personal events. They persevered. um, And yet our society casts them away. And uh, one third are in uh, severe poverty. They have no no savings, and anybody, I believe, can learn basic business fundamentals. Um, there, I think we're wired for it. Uh, the way we, I think, are wired for for other other things, uh, and I think it's just part of our human experience. And encouraging seniors to learn the basics of business so they could start something or work for a, uh, a small business. They have judgment. Uh, they are reliable. Uh, they are experienced. Uh, they, they are perfect for an, to be an employee or an entrepreneur. And... Um, I think it's a gold mine for our society and a gold mine for for um, um, seniors. I'm writing a book right now on how seniors can create nonprofits, and my research has indicated that uh, no one has ever um, had a program or a class aimed at seniors. Uh, uh, on how to begin a 501c3, which um, there's $300 billion of ph- philanthropic money that is given every year to uh, nonprofits. Uh, uh, the legal term is 501c3. And the it's not that hard to learn how to, how to do that. Um, and everybody should also know how to do that. But imagine this, you're a program officer at a large foundation, uh, Ford Foundation, let's say, and in walks a senior citizen with who's just founded a 501c3, a nonprofit, and they have identified a problem in their local community. Um, I don't know anybody who wouldn't 
take that very seriously because of judgment, perception, uh, all the things that seniors, anybody who stays alive and lives, develops a deeper understanding. So I, I, I also think not only business, but also the nonprofit world is where seniors could be invaluable to our society and our community. I hope that was helpful. It was helpful, and I totally agree with you. And let me ask, uh, when will your when will this book be out? <laughs> I I am aiming for August seventh of two of two thousand twenty, um, and I have a documentary film um, that I've been working on. For seven years with with a team, a phenomenal team, I think heavens. And that film is also on entrepreneurship. I'm I just focus on that one concept. And it's a, it's the story stories of what happens to the entrepreneur during times of war or genocide. And there's no literature on that. The entrepreneur, small business person, and the senior citizens disappear in history during times of conflict, um, and and so we've we've filmed all over the world and found these incredible stories of people that have persevered uh, because they had the entrepreneurial mind frame, because they they had a comparative advantage. And they, they lived through just unspeakable uh, horrors where there was really no chance they'd make it, but they did. And to me, it was a it's a it's a documentary of hope and joy that that there there are are ways uh, to live through very severe situations. We also did um, profiles on people that had lived through life-threatening diseases and then created a business out of that. Um, one was a, a young woman who got cancer right before, breast cancer right before her marriage. And, and bless her heart, she created a business making lingerie for, for other women that, that um, you know, had breast cancer right before their marriage. And it's been a incredible success. So I just think we have all these people that have been left out of the business, um, uh, the ownership. I'd like to use the word ownership a lot, uh, um, a community. And, and by expanding that and getting more and more people globally involved uh, in owning entre- in entrepreneurship and just being good with money. Uh, I, I think it'll, over time, uh, lessen the severity of many other problems that are, can be traced back to the depression, the inability to get things done, the just the anxiety of, of being um, uh, low income in any place in the world. The poverty is a, a terrible enemy of, of, of uh, human beings. 
I, I totally agree with you, Steve. And I, I recommend to our listeners uh, who want to know more about your work, one place to look is on your website uh, at stevemariotti.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-M-A-R-I-O-T-T-I.com. Is that correct? Yes. That's my personal site. Um, and the Nifty site uh, uh, is www.nfte, Nancy Frank Tom Edward, dot com. Uh, it is a charity. We couldn't get the dot org. But um, that is, I think, fascinating to read because it just focuses on how low-income people can learn the basic skills to get out of poverty. And I, I really don't see any other answer to poverty except through education and, and, and having it decentralized to individuals. I don't think poverty uh, can be cured from a uh, centralized um, um, uh, source of a, a government, uh, a um, you know, um, type uh, apparatus. I think it's got to be through education and through the unique skills uh, and unique knowledge of time and place of each person in the world, that each person has a comparative advantage. It's something they can do to make a livelihood and to improve their their uh, living standards. I think that's a great statement to end our discussion on. Thank you again for joining me, and I encourage people to look at your work and some of the guides you've done on entrepreneurship. Although they may be aimed at young people, they're could be a great starting place for people who want to explore the possibilities in their own lives and families. So thank you again for being here. You're welcome. Today we've been talking with prize-winning entrepreneurship teacher and author, Steve Mariotti. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Think like an entrepreneur, act like a CEO. Today's career tip is that the spirit of entrepreneurship can be powerful. If you're feeling stuck, maybe it's time to launch a side business or a nonprofit project to get your juices flowing. If you've enjoyed our show, please tell your friends and come back soon.